Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Welcome. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Well, some headlines to chat about. A startup called Starsky Robotics says it has completed a seven-mile test of an autonomous truck without a human in the vehicle at all. I'm not sure if this counts as a big deal in your book, though. It was on a closed portion of a highway in Florida with no traffic. Well, uh, been there, done that. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Oshkosh uh, did it with their truck uh, for over a hundred miles in the uh, in the in the Grand Challenge in 2005. So. Doing it on a, a smooth surface uh, for whatever number of miles with nobody on it, um, you know, that's not saying anything. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. It's not real news from CNN. I don't know. It, it doesn't It doesn't move the needle on, on the Kornhauser. It doesn't move the needle. I mean, you know, people have been doing things... Uh, uh, without anybody in the vehicle for a long time, but they haven't been doing it in the real world. And closing a highway uh, or doing it on a test track or, you know, uh, creating a commercial for TV that then has on the underside, you know, don't do this. It's on, it's by professionals in close courses, uh, you know, um, whatever. Um, th- that isn't a business. Um, a moving, Moving freight in trucks is a business, and uh, I don't think that any executive of any trucking company is going to be impressed by what was done. Um, uh, They aren't about to risk uh, their business and putting one of those things out there without anybody on it, without us having to progress a whole heck of a lot farther. Well, that announcement followed one by Uber this week that it has begun using self-driving trucks to transport freight in Arizona. These are Volvo trucks that have been retrofitted, and there is a human along as well. Yeah, so this is self-driving. This isn't driverless. And and I think the, the whole uh, trucking industry has been not really looking appropriately at automated vehicles. On the one hand, what they need is uh, the the safe driving vehicles, all the crash avoidance uh, technology on these vehicles, so it, it, they don't basically crash anymore. And so that's a safe driving truck, and they should be focused on that. Uh, platooning and all this other stuff is uh, so what. But the self-driving piece is also important because it really improves uh, the quality of life, the quality of the work environment for for these poor uh, drivers, uh, and poor meaning the 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 very um, uh, non good uh, environment in which they work. I mean, I've I've always said, just think if 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 we had to sit there, uh, you know, eight ten hours a day, just making sure we pay attention all the time to stay between two white lines and not hit anything in front of us. That is a tough job. 
these these men and women need help. Uh, no wonder there's a driver shortage because that is just difficult. And and to do it day in day out trying to feed your family is is a tough job. So the self driving piece focused on not taking the driver out of the out of the cab, but in fact improving the work environment. I've always said OSHA should be in there mandating this stuff uh in, to improve that, that that environment. If this was a if this was a Ford assembly line, you know, they'd be in there uh, uh making sure that the that those work conditions were were improved. So, um, you know, focused on that, and I must admit that Uber in, in their article does, uh, you know, uh, uh, emphasize that, that, that in fact, what they're doing is they're really providing logistics services to try to find, uh, you know, freight uh, so that the driver can, can basically be hauling freight both uh, in the outbound direction and back in the back inbound direction, as opposed to returning empty and those things. There are a lot of other folks that provide that service, um, and and so they're in a crowded field of that part of it. But I, I do have to, uh, I do want to uh, uh, praise their efforts to, to try to improve uh, the work environment of a of a of a driver to basically allow them to, you know, take their hands off the wheel and and feed off the pedals for at least a little while. Um, uh, so that they can uh, relax a little bit more uh, when it's uh, safe to do that, and so the technology is exists to to begin doing that, and and uh, to me that's all the return on investment that that it needs uh, for trucking companies to say yes, of course we want to improve the work conditions of our employees. Absolutely, uh, we'll get a better service out of there, and also for the for the. The Federal Motor Carrier um, Administration to look at that and say maybe in return for improving, uh, so improving the work environment of of a driver, uh, we're going to allow them a few uh, a little bit more hours of service so that in fact they'll be better able to feed their families. The system will be even more efficient and safer, and everybody's happy. So. Uh, as long as that's the focus and and and, and the headline, uh, I'm all for it. You know, not many people think of Uber as a trucking company, though. I mean, <laughs> everything but that. Well, but but in in a sense, you know, that's why they went out and bought auto. They wanted to get the technology. The technology is thought to be a stepping stone to driverless, uh, so that they can, you know, better do their movement of people. And of course, uh, you know, Uber Uber drivers are moving moving goods in cities. They're doing deliveries to homes in many in 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 some cities. So. Um, you know, we, we have a people movement problem and, and, and uh, an opportunity and we have a goods movement problem and opportunity and the technology can, can help in both of those. You know, there was also a, a Tesla semi making a cargo trip from the Gigafactory to Fremont, but uh, no mention there about it going autonomous. Well, they didn't mention anything about uh, about using uh, uh, autopilot in that in that uh, system, but you can imagine that, uh, of course, uh, Elon uh, fully recognizes he has the autopilot again on a self uh, driving to to improve 
uh, the environment for the um, uh, for the truckers. So, of course, uh, to him, it's probably, yeah, of course, it's a it's on there. Uh, that's not what we're going to tout. What is really important about that one is the fact that it's an electric truck. Uh, and that, that in fact, if he does um, basically uh, pro- produce an electric truck um, uh, uh, according to his claims, uh, then the the truck manufacturers have a brand new competitor in there, and um, it will be uh, as disruptive as uh, Elon starting the whole Tesla assembly lines and creating those things. So um, that is um, worthy of, of mention, and that is worthy of uh, paying attention to. You know, we haven't seen the latest numbers, but uh, there have been reports about an awful lot of orders coming in for those Tesla Semi. They got a lot of orders for the Model 3, too. They can't seem to produce <laughs> them. Uh, and we'll see whether or not they'll absolutely. I, you know, I don't recall exactly what the number was that, that he was at, saying that he can produce that, that thing for but um if i if i if i own a trucking company and um and um and and he's uh offering these things up at that price boy i'm absolutely i'm i'm a buyer in the latest smart driving car newsletter one of the big stories is a paper from mit's center for energy and environmental policy research titled the economics of ride hailing driver revenue expenses and taxes What's the what's the overview and analysis? The takeaway here. Well, <laughs> it's unfortunate that that uh, that 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 paper didn't have a critical review before it hit the the uh, the inner tubes out there with uh, all the um, instant uh, viral news and of course uh, paints a, a picture at which. Uh, you know, uh, Uber and Lyft are basically um, totally abusing their drivers and paying them what what uh, was was claimed to be ex- uh, exceedingly um, um, small wages or not wages, but uh, creating and um, not creating opportunities for them to be able to. Uh, uh, to make um, make even minimum wage, and so of course when that hits the headlines, then uh, there's certainly a, a number of people who look out there and say, "My goodness, that is such an affordable service. Uh, it's being provided on the backs of these poor individuals that are the drivers and have to provide the car and get their own insurance and buy their own gas and all that stuff, and they're actually being." either bullied or taken advantage of um, in providing that. And um, and so that was, uh, that just was not a, uh, if it's accurate, then, then, then we have a problem and we should, uh, we should, we should try to deal with it. Um, but it seems as if that, uh, that uh, maybe that, that report wasn't accurate and there were some real fundamental mistakes in the, and the computations and the additions and subtractions that were made to, to come up with those conclusions. And, um, and so, uh, at least in smart driving cars, I've tried to provide what the other side is and, and, and we'll, uh, you know, let the readers, uh, come up with their own conclusion. Um, 
uh, you know, the whole ride hailing business has been under uh, somewhat of an attack by by many. And uh, you know, I, originally, I wasn't um, I wasn't very much of a fan of the business. I thought it was just like the jitney services that. They came out uh, at the beginning of the transit era in the early 1920s, and uh, and basically were were siphoning off the cream of the of the business uh, of uh, of uh, public transportation. And you know, like any business, um, there are there are peaks and valleys, and uh, the peaks uh, subsidize, cross subsidize the valleys. And if uh, if somebody then just goes and operates at the peaks and has no no um, um, uh, need or no uh, requirement to operate in the valleys, you know, then, then it's easy. Um, uh, and so, therefore, there needs to be some protection against that kind of operation. But as it turns out, uh, I've certainly changed my personal opinion on on those services that they. They provide a, a an affordable mobility, a high quality mobility, auto like mobility to people who um, don't have access to good mobility for whatever reason. They don't happen to own a car or have a car available, and they live in places in which there essentially is no public tra- transportation. Uh, you know, much of public transportation that's out there. Uh, runs on who knows what schedules and you have to then go for who knows how long and and so on and so forth it is really very poor service and it turns out that if one looks at the at the customers to uh, uh to Uber and Lyft and you look at the the data that they've put out they provide an enormous amount of service to people who actually uh are, are mobility challenged. They, they, they don't have access to a car like many of us, like most of us have, that we can just hop in, go anywhere, whenever the heck we want. And they provided it at a reasonable mobility, uh, a re- reasonable price. And so, therefore, they're providing an enormous public service. It's The public sector can't do that. They try to provide public transportation out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's just um, a financial disaster. It's a train wreck, and so here they're providing this this really valuable um, societal service. And then on the other hand, you know the the whole operation of of, um, of Uber and Lyft uh, provide an employment opportunity or an opportunity uh, to gain revenue by some folks who you know really don't want to work a nine to five job. Who like the flexibility and uh, that's afforded by that, and and know how to uh, drive well, uh, keep a car clean, and be pleasant to to, to the customer. And uh, all they need to do is that, and all of a sudden, um, uh, Uber and Lyft does everything else, and and basically money appears in their account, and they're able to feed their families. That's just an, an enormously valuable service to society. So, you know, the public sector should be looking at this as, as, uh, I mean, we should be all putting it on, on, on a pedestal and, 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 and praising it. Uh, some entities are looking to tax it. Come on. Uh, really? Uh, this is providing a public service, uh, that, that, that the, that the public services are totally incapable 
of providing. So um, I've ended up doing a complete 180 uh, as long as uh, these the folks that are providing uh, that service, the men and women that are providing that service, aren't uh, being uh, taken advantage of. And, and so um, I hope that they're earning um, a reasonable wage. And, and, and for those of us who um, certainly earn a lot more than they do, um, whenever we use them, I hope we tip them very well so as to uh, really show our uh, our uh, appreciation for what they're doing for us. And in the meantime, of course, we've talked about this before, uh, and Business Insider is reporting, Uber reportedly wants a partnership with, with Google's Waymo. Yes. I mean, so, um, I mean that, that kind of, you, I, you, won't, I, be, I, you I, won't be tipping the, you won't be tipping the driverless car. Right, I won't be tipping the driverless car, but but the problem with with uh, with trying to grow Uber, Uber right now or any of those serve about one percent of the billion vehicle trips that that occur every day in the United States, or even not even one percent. And 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 so as you know, as long as they're a niche operation, that's one thing. But if they want to grow, if they if they want to scale. Which their their valuations imply that they're going to scale. I don't know that you find enough drivers who want to do that, and and so you almost have to have to have an automated system uh, to be able to scale. And once you scale, you'll still have a segment of the population that either needs or wants a driver. So th- therefore. Um, you'll always, I, I think, have a, a market uh, and, and a place uh, for the, the Uber, Uber drivers and, and we'll all have the opportunity to tip them. But if we really, uh, look towards this, uh, this level playing field of providing mobility on demand, uh, from basically wherever you are to wherever you want to go, um, uh, to everyone, uh, then uh, that needs to scale. And the only way I think we can get there is through automation. So that's why Uber needs Waymo. Uber needs Waymo because they provide, they're going to provide the, um, the uh, automation that uh, they're the first, they're the leaders and there are advantages of being the first one out there. And so, of course, uh, Uber uh, needs Waymo because, um you know, yeah, probably in the looking of uh, whether or not they can put enough into the technology development to leapfrog Uber, or leap, leapfrog Waymo versus a partner with Waymo. Uh, there must be just an obvious answer. Geez, let's partner. You know, you always have sort of a make or buy decision in anything that one does in business. But this one, this one is definitely let's uh, let's in some sense uh, buy it I mean, through partnership on the Uber side. On the Waymo side, turns out they need Uber because because their uh, operation of providing a service out there is going is going to be geofenced to the area in which they feel very comfortable in providing driverless services. And right now, and probably for a while, that geofenced area area is going to be small. And because it's small, it's not going, they're not going to be able to provide enough of a variation in trips, uh, to offer out there, uh, so that somebody might, in fact, commit themselves, 
uh, to using their services as opposed to using it, uh, who knows when, every once in a while for the very specific trip that happens to be within their geofenced area. Uh, so for, for Waymo to, to scale beyond just providing niche mobility in a small geofenced area, they need drivers. I can see people out there scratching their heads thinking, boy, weren't these guys just in court? Yeah, well, but, you know, that was under the past management and so on, and they could actually get together. Now, you know, the problem with, with, uh, with the whole thing is that from Uber's perspective, there's only one Waymo. But from Waymo's perspective, they not only have Uber to look to, they have Lyft to look to, and they could even look to DDM, maybe a bunch of other startups. Although if you really want to do this and you really want to be the market leader, you really want to be leading out there with the people that are leading in each of the pieces that you're doing, I think. And so, um, you know, it, it, for, for, for Waymo, they at least have a choice of three folks to go with. Uber basically has one. I mean, they could look maybe to Cruise or something, but, um, but my view is, uh, and I know, have no inside information. Um, uh, my view is that Waymo is just so far ahead of the field. We'll throw this in there too. Uber has started a robotic taxi service but only for members of its advanced technology group, its own advanced technology group. So I guess that there are some capable backups in there along for the ride. Uh, but, the, but the problem is, that, again, that's self-driving, that's not driverless, and their self-driving platform um, is, again, um, um, it's, it's at best in second place and a distant second, if not third place, and um, and uh, and Waymo is just again my opinion is just way out there ahead of everybody. Now another piece from the newsletter is on the U.S. Transportation Department holding a public listening summit on automated vehicle policy. Well, yeah, they they had a meeting down there on on, on the first of, of March, and uh, they call it listening. Although it seemed to me I, I I've linked the 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 uh, uh, the video on that uh, it seemed that they were doing more of the talking than listening uh, but um uh, but uh, anyway um yeah there were they they were out there listening you know this is being motivated in in the private sector not the public sector and the private sector as we've been talking about with the waymos with the gms with the with the ubers with the lifts with the dds with the uh, with the NVIDIAs, with the Intels, with the, the Fords and, and Mercedes, uh, boy, that is, that is just an Apple and, and Amazon. And the poor public sector is out there. Whoa. Um, you know, this, this is not something that's coming out of the military that, that is, that is, uh, generated all the technology out of the public sector or something like that this is this is and this is something coming completely out of the the private sector and uh, they have a lot of catching up to do now there, there are a lot of big names uh, taking part in this horse race aren't there yep and a lot of big names apparently think that uh, you know uh, their their financial future and their valuations are are dependent on this. And so they're investing the numbers that they talk about investing, you know, they're always, they tend to be in the billions. Uh, the public sector is out there saying, 
uh, we're going to give a, you know, we're going to give a hundred thousand dollar contract out there. Whoa. I mean, come on. And then finally, there's the report from San Francisco of a Mission District cabbie attacking a self-driving car while waiting at an intersection. Uh, automated road rage? Um, yeah, I mean, this is, but this, this is going to end up being a serious problem. I mean, we have a lot of other challenges to deal with right now, but at some point it ends up being a serious problem. I mean, vandalism is a, of unprotected assets is a serious problem. I mean, what one, one saw what sort of happened to the New York City subway system, you know, with respect to all the graffiti. And, uh, you know, in the end, I guess we called the graffiti art, and therefore we accepted it or something like that. But, but you know, the, the unprotected assets out there um, are, are, you know, just sitting ducks for, for this kind of thing. And, and so, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's of a, it's of a, uh, of a challenge that's somewhat equal to cybersecurity. You know, cybersecurity, one person can create havoc very broadly. Okay. Um, and, but there are few people who can do that. This essentially anybody can do it, although, any one incident isn't going to create as much havoc. Uh, so, but, but sort of the size of the problem is sort of the product of those two things. The number of people that can do it plus, uh, you know, how much damage they can do. So on the one hand, it's wide, but not deep. And the other hand, on the other one, it's deep and not wide. But I think they're of the same, you know, magnitude. And, um, and, and, and same problem issue. So it, which hasn't even been begun to be discussed yet. So yes, uh, this is sort of a goofy little thing that comes out there, but I think it is, it is a precursor to really what, what will end up being a real challenging problem. And, uh, I don't know that anybody has, has a solution to it. You know, how do you, if, if 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 there's nobody around something and it aggravates you, you know, people will just go and and goof with it. It sort of came out earlier with respect to some of the uh, driverless demos, where um, where self-driving demos in 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 exhibition areas, where people would then you know jump out in front just to get the things to stop. Um, you know, I did a myself to one of these vehicles was filmed doing it you know totally misbehaving and and um people have to behave i don't know how we get people to behave a lot of interesting issues uh, in, involved with that that we can talk about at a later time because you've got the the future of driverless delivery vehicles or you have to protect not only the vehicle but the, the goods being delivered as well that's a very good point. I mean, this is this is in, in a challenge, and then uh, you know, it's nice to have a person around because at least the person is a deterrent. And you know, maybe in the end, this is the Achilles' heel of the whole darn thing, and it collapses. I mean, it's not the technology, it's not the lidar, it's not the whether or not we can compute it all or the AI. It ends up being something like this. I don't know. 
but but you know at first it sounds like it's a goofy little thing but i think it's there there's we should be serious about this one all right well that's it for this edition of the smart driving cars podcast don't forget to get info on the smart driving cars summit coming up at princeton university this spring on the 16th and 17th of may find details at summit.smartdrivingcar.com yeah Great, great lineup for it, too. Of course, I mean, I got to push my stuff, too, right? <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more on your smart speaker. And look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.